and in the lives of, of people we know. And in that takes risk, doesn't it? Like, it's not easy to say, what can I pray for you? But that's what God's calling us into. And interesting thing about faith. I hear a lot of people talking about, well, I want more faith. And and I appreciate the sentiment behind that statement. I want more faith. But I don't really think, I don't believe that it's the right way to look at faith. In uh, Romans 12, it says that God has given each a measure of faith. So God has already given us faith. We already have all the faith that we need. A better way, I believe, of viewing faith is like a muscle. Now, I I don't know, but I never hear somebody say that I'm going to go to the gym uh, so that I can get more muscles. I I think we're pretty happy with the number of muscles we have in our body. We probably just want them a little stronger, maybe. A little more tone. But we don't want more muscles. We should keep the same number of muscles that we have. It would be pretty weird if you started growing another muscle. It'd be like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but that's why we exercise our muscles, right? Is to, is, is to strengthen them. And it's the same thing with faith. We don't need more faith. We need stronger faith. And how do we get that? We get that by exercising it. We get that by taking risks, by stepping out and seeing, seeing what God does with that. And, and, and there are many aspects of our lives where we can do this. Many aspects of our lives where we can exercise our faith. And we've talked about some of these, such as praying for people, praying for others, expecting for God to do more than just, okay, I said a nice prayer and that person felt good, but expecting God to really meet us. And last week, uh, Daryl started speaking on this concept of being outward focused. And he talked specifically about how to do that in the context of your family. And this morning, I want to speak on how we can do this in our neighborhoods. Several years ago, we started an initiative within our community called The Art of Neighboring. Oops, there we go. And uh, there's, there, there's a book. I didn't coin this term, Art of Neighboring. It'd be, be cool if I did. But there's a book written by a pastor named James Pathak at the uh, Mile High Vineyard in Denver, and, and also uh, Dave Runyon, another Christian leader in the Denver area. And, and they wrote the book called The Art of Neighboring, where they really challenge us as followers of Jesus to love our neighbors. It's this idea, so we want to love God. This is the loving people portion of this. We want to love our neighbors. Which is what Jesus said is the, the second most important commandment to follow. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. We're called to love God and love people. The question that we need to ask ourselves is how seriously do we take this commandment to love our neighbors? Do we really take it seriously or is it just something nice that we can think in our heads to do? Now, when Jesus talked about loving your neighbors, it wasn't limited to just like, I mean, we think about our neighbors in our neighborhood and those that live right next to us. It wasn't just limited to that. We are called to be neighborly wherever we go. But how about if we start somewhere? If we can't follow this commandment with the people that we live right next to, and there's something wrong with our priorities, isn't there? The next verse in this chapter says, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Let's stop there for just a second. It says he wanted to justify himself. What does that mean? What, what was it about what Jesus said or really what he drew out of him, that made him uncomfortable, that he felt that he needed to justify himself. You know, there, there are, are people in my life who are easy to love. Do you have these people in your life? The ones that, are, that, that, that really are, are, are just easy to love. You, you don't feel like you have to work very often to, to love them. They, you just love them. I love my wife and, and my daughter, and, and, and it's not a burden to do so most of the time. <laughs> love you, babe. <laughs> but there are people in my life who drain me, too. I'm not going to point any fingers right now. But, <laughs> but right, we all have those people in our lives who are just draining and are not easy to love at all. If, in fact, if, if we could just remove them from our lives, maybe our lives would be so much easier. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a neighbor, co-worker, friend, maybe it's someone in your family. But we all have those people, right? I suspect that the person in this passage has a few of those people in his mind as he asks this question. Who is my neighbor? Surely not those people. Because wouldn't it be nice if we could just pick and choose who qualifies as our neighbor and just love, just love those people? If you're a neighbor to, neighborly to me, then, then sure, you know what? I'm going to love you, and I'm going to be neighborly to you as well. We have this agreement. Yeah, we're going to, let's be neighborly to each other, but I don't have that agreement with this person over here. Not you, Randy. But. <laughs> Moving on in the chapter, in verse 30, it says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, I think there's a part of this that is really missed on us. Because I venture to say that there's nobody in this room that has a prejudice against Samaritans. Is, is there anybody in this room that has a prejudice against Oh, we've got someone in the back. <laughs> Most of us don't have a prejudice against Samaritans. But the fact that Jesus used a Samaritan in this parable would have been particularly shocking in this day and age. It really would have been. It would have been like, they would have been like, why are you even bringing up a Samaritan? I mean, come on. A Samaritan? If the audience of this day had created a list from top to bottom, in descending order of the difficulty it would be to love somebody, the Samaritan would have been around the bottom of the list. Very difficult to love the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. They despised the Samaritans. I want you to right now just just think about, try to think through somebody who lives a lifestyle you wouldn't agree with, has a belief system opposite to you, does things that you would consider almost unforgivable. Can you think of either a specific person or maybe just just in, in general, just like this type of person it just does things that are unforgivable so that, that, that you would just have a hard time with every single aspect of their life. Put that person in the place of the Samaritan and you might begin to understand how shocking this would have been for the people back then. That's how they felt about them. Like they, they, the Jews would have said that these are not good people and you are taking this person and you are making them, putting a good light on them. See, it's easy to think through about the people we do love and justify ourselves saying that, look, I love people. I take care of my own and I don't want to discount that. See, your, your family, your coworkers, the, the parents on your kids' teams, the, the, the person sitting right next to you right now, all of those people are your neighbors. But so are the people who annoy you. So are the people who live right next to you, who live in your neighborhood. And it's easy to neglect the people who are right there, the neighbors who are our physical neighbors. There's the potential for great things to happen when we work on the relationships with our literal neighbors and work from there. What prompted the the, um, authors to write the book, The Art of Neighboring, was that a city leader met with a group of pastors and they asked him, uh, they, they asked the city leader, what could they do to make an impact on the city. And the city leader responded with, be good neighbors. 
He said that there were many issues that the city just couldn't take care of that would be solved if people were just good neighbors. Things like elderly people who couldn't shovel the driveway when it, when it snows. Well, the city can't do that for everybody, but neighbors can. Neighbors can make a difference for one person, and that has a domino effect. And what's interesting, if you read the book, after the city leader left, one of the pastors said, is anybody else just a little embarrassed that we have the city leader telling us to um, do what Jesus said is the second second greatest commandment? We are called to be a blessing in the community where we live. Now, last year, I, I, I spoke on this, this same topic, very similar to, to what I'm speaking on now, but, you know, some, some, some differences. I didn't just take my exact sermon and delivering it today, but you probably wouldn't know if I did. Um, but I, I was... Uh, I, I, when, when I did that, I had these printouts, and the printouts were of this. This is something from the book. And it's this idea of, okay, so, so you're here. Who are the eight neighbors who live closest to you? And I actually had a printout for everybody to have, and, and we took a couple minutes, filled out to the, bet, like the names of the people who live, right, who, who live right next to you. And I think it was, it was hopefully a good exercise, interesting exercise for those of you who were here. And um, some, some did very well. Some were able to fill out every single square. Hats off to you if that was you. I would venture to say that most of us couldn't. Most of us probably could fill in some, although I think there were, there, there were a few of us who couldn't fill in any. But most of us could probably fill in some but couldn't get all the way around. There were definitely some gaps. And it begs the question, I don't know if, if this has changed in your world, or um, if, think through this, because I don't have the printouts today, but think through, could I fill this out? And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how can we truly love somebody if we don't even know their name? Maybe it's time just go and ask your neighbors what their names are. That'd be a great first step for you in loving your neighbor is to just go ask the name. Maybe it's even that awkward conversation of, hey, so we've lived across the street from each other for five years, and I don't know your name. <laughs> it's okay. Have the, have the awkward conversation. See, I believe we have good intentions of wanting to be good neighbors. Most, most people... Um, maybe there's a few people, but most people don't, don't move into a neighborhood and say, I'm, I'm going to be that neighbor. <laughs> no, we all want to be a good neighbors, right? But stuff gets in the way. I'm sure there, there, there are quite a few things that can be barriers for people, that, but there, there's two that I want to discuss today that, that I believe would cover the majority of these barriers. And the first is the time barrier. This is the one that gets me more than anything else. These days, everything is just busy, isn't it? Probably the large majority of us in this room are busy. 
And there was a time when people would come home in the evenings, hang out on their front porch. Neighbors came by. They'd be invited to, to stay for a while. Um, and and you, you knew the people... You knew the people in your neighborhoods. You knew the people that, that, were, that, that lived close to you. And now it's just go, go, go. And, 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 and that's the way my life seems. I, I feel like I don't even have enough time in a 24-hour period to get done everything that I want to get done. Can anybody relate to that? But do you notice that if something is important to you, you find time for it? If it's important to you, you're going to find time for it no matter how busy you are. The truth is, my, my life is pretty busy. I feel like I don't have time to do everything that I'd like to do. But an interesting point, I somehow have, have time to keep up with a few shows on Netflix. I somehow find time to browse through Facebook. My wife and I call it being in the hole. I'll sometimes... Uh, see like a video on Facebook, I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll watch that. And, and then you know how it, how it does, and, and then it like goes straight to the next video. And I'll be like, oh, this is a funny video. And, and next thing, before I know it, I'm 10 videos in, and I'm like, I don't even remember the first video I clicked on. <laughs> if something is a priority, we find time for it. If we say we're too busy to get to know our neighbors, then we're saying that I don't view getting to know my neighbors as something that is, uh, that, that is that important. That's really what we're saying. We're prioritizing other things. And oftentimes, we prioritize the urgent and not the important. The things that come right up and is like, this feels like this needs to be done right now, and, and it's urgent, but, it, but it's not as important as some of these other things. And we need to figure out how to restructure our lives so that we find time for the important. And that will take restructuring. It's not necessarily something that you can change overnight. But if we're committed to it, if we view it as important, we will change it. If you look at the life of Jesus, it would seem that he did a lot, right? No, he did a lot of things. He, he got a lot done. But somehow, I never get the sense, as I read through, through uh, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I never get the sense that he seems hurried. He always has time for people. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was so hurried. She was hurried getting everything ready, getting food ready, while while Mary was just taking the time to spend with Jesus. 
Now, was, was Martha doing things that she shouldn't? Was she doing bad things? No, no, she was doing good things. She was doing the urgent, but not necessarily the important. Do you know that there are 168 hours in a week? Now, let's say that you get your eight hours of sleep a day, okay? I don't usually get that, but um, let's say you do. There's 56 hours right there that you've used up, okay? Um, let's say you work 40 hours. Some of you might work more than that, but let's just say you work 40. That still leaves 72 hours in a week. Okay, so let's say you work 50, that leaves 62. You work 60-hour weeks, that leaves, um, that, that leaves 52. There's still quite a few hours left in the week. Now, I know that there are, are, are tons of other things that you need to do, and, and of course there's time that you want to spend with your family, and, and, and that's important. I don't want to take any of that away. See, I get all that. It's a challenge for me as well. But what if you started to prioritize one hour a week? That's less than a percent of the time in a week. One hour every week you prioritize to get to know your neighbors. How you decide to do that, maybe you hang out in your front yard, say hi to your neighbors, strike up conversations, maybe you invite, invite them over for dinner, um, a particular neighbor. Maybe you go on walks around your neighborhood and, uh, and, 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 say, and just, just say hi to somebody. But, but one hour a week, however you think that's best used, to get to know some of your neighbors. I believe that if we do that, we would see a huge change. Not overnight, but over time. Let's, 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 let's look. We're running a marathon here, not a, not a sprint. We're going to see a change, huge change. Gradually, you're going to get to know your neighbors if you're committed to that one hour a week. <coughs> see, I think that the mistake that we make with things like this is that we get intimidated by the big picture. We get intimidated by the fact that, wow, I've got to get to know all my neighbors. I need to, get, uh, I, I need to, I need to do this. I need to do that. I'm, 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 I'm a horrible neighbor. I, need to, I need, to, need to work on this. And just start by getting to know the names of your closest eight neighbors. You could probably do that in the first week, in one hour. Just go knock on the doors. <laughs> or if you want to spread it out, wait till there's a more organic time, that's fine too. I mean, but, but, <laughs> but there's a start right there, right? And then you can start to get to know one of your neighbors a bit better. Maybe one hour a week, see what happens. See, see what, uh, with, one neighbor, how well you can get to know one neighbor, perhaps. I mean, you can start by getting to know multiple of them a little bit, but then maybe you, you realize, you know what, there's a connection here between this one neighbor. Let's, let's really get to know them and, and see if I can be a blessing in their lives. Don't go into it with an agenda. It's not about an agenda. It's about relationship. The next barrier that we have is fear. And I believe that, uh, that we close the door to people because of fear. And, and it's for a number 
of, of different reasons. See, because of technology, the media is constantly at our fingertips, and we're bombarded with horrific stories. I mean, the, the, the news basically picks the worst of the worst because that's what captures our attention, right? And so we live in this constant fear, unsure what kind of people live right around us. And, 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 and so some of us, maybe that's the fear that we have, is, is I, don't, I don't want to get to know my neighbors because what if they're sociopaths, like this news story I saw? And the reality is we're, we're afraid to step out and get to know these people because guess what? These people are always there. I can go volunteer in a soup kitchen and then leave. And I don't have to interact with those people again. But I interact with my neighbors and they will be there the next day and the day after that and the day after that. And then for some people, maybe you're not scared for your life. Maybe you're just scared to get out of your comfort zone. We like to be comfortable, don't we? I like to be comfortable. And stepping out and meeting people in our neighborhoods isn't very comfortable for all of us. Some, some of you, maybe it comes naturally, and that's fantastic. I commend you. But it doesn't come naturally for all of us. If you're an introvert, then maybe you only have so much energy for people, and you might be thinking, do I really want to burn more energy on more people? Regardless of what your reasons are, I would venture to guess that many of us deal with fear when it comes to neighboring. But Jesus is asking us today this question. Do you see your neighbors? Will you love your neighbors with my love in you? 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says that perfect love casts out fear. When we, love, when we have the love of Jesus in our hearts, it gets rid of that fear. Now, I really want you to hear my heart on this. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use wisdom. I'm not saying that you should put your family in, in, in dangerous situations. But most of the fears we conjure up truthfully have no validity. It stems from our own insecurities. I heard a, a statistic um, somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but it said that, that act, 85% of our fears never actually come to fruition. See, it's time that we put aside our fears and take the great commandment to love our neighbor seriously and begin to truly see our neighbors. Now, the heart behind the art of neighboring is to build relationship with the people who live closest to you and find ways to love them. Now, for some, for some of our neighborhood, neighbors, it might just be, you know, maybe this person, we, we're just shoveling their, their driveway occasionally. Maybe the relationship doesn't go all that deep for this particular person. Maybe for, it's just, you know, letting them borrow a tool or... Um, uh, Oh, you need some sugar, you're baking a cake and you ran out of sugar, here's some sugar. You 
You may find one or two families who you really develop a relationship with, you hang out with, you offer advice to, you pray for. My point is that it's not just about getting to know their names. We can't just stop there. It's not just about being friendly. It's not just about um, throwing a block party, perhaps. Those are all good things and steps towards what we're doing, but, we're, but it's not just about that. Those are just great starts. It's about building relationship and loving people. But we've got to start somewhere, and that's what I'm challenging you right now is to start somewhere. Here's a great start. We're in the middle of summer, right? What about throwing a block party in your, in your neighborhood? Seriously, just go pass out flyers, knock on people's doors, have a block party. You're sitting, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I can do that. Perfect, just go and do it. Or, or, or maybe you're sitting here, you're like, I don't really know where to start. Or maybe for some of you, that's actually pretty intimidating. If that's the case, then let's be a support for each other in that. So here's what I want to do. In just a minute, we're going we're gonna to take up the offering. I'll just hold on for just a second, but get ready, because I'm going to have you pass it out in just a minute. But um, when we take up the offering, you're going to put those Connect cards in that you filled out. If you didn't fill it out, you can start filling out now. It's not, not, not a bad idea. But um, so I want, here's what I want you to do. Let's everybody, whether you fill one out or not, whether you plan to fill one out or not, whether you plan to put one in, well, everyone just hold a, put, take a Connect card in your hand. Hold it in your hand. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing. Let me grab one. All right. We've got these. So we've all got these Connect cards in our hand, okay? All right. Grab a pen. Grab a pen. Again, let's just do this exercise with me. If you're not going to write anything, just, just grab a pen and a Connect card with me, okay? <laughs> all right. If this whole idea of neighboring is a bit intimidating to you, but you're, but you're sitting here and you say, you know what, it's intimidating, but I'm willing to give it a try. But you just really don't know how, um, how to begin, or you, just have, um, or, or you just have some fear associated with it, or, or let's just say you just need some accountability. Then under this section right here where it says upcoming opportunities, the, the only thing under there is men's breakfast. I just want you to write in there, just write this one word, just write neighboring. If you don't know how to spell it, just write it the best you can, that's okay too. Just write the word neighboring, and if you write that, then, then, then somebody will reach out to you, and what we're going to do is let's be a support for each other, and whatever that means, maybe we'll help each other with a block party. If you're like, I, I want to throw a block party, but I don't really know how, hey, I'll come to your block party, hang out with you, help you out, walk you through it, or maybe someone else will if it's on a day I can't be there, but, but we'll be that encouragement for each other. We'll help each other through this. So write that word neighboring if you want to be a part of that, want, want, want some help with this. A couple years ago, a few of us... Uh, uh, actually did that. We helped each other with, with our block parties, and it was great. 
Robin and Corey and, and Cherish and I, we, we, we kind of helped each other with this. They came to our block party. We came to theirs. It was a cool thing. It was fun. And so, um, and, 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 and I think it, it made it less, um, for, for one, it made it less, less of, of a big deal. And, and, and for another, it, um, it had added some accountability. It was like, okay, I've said I'm going to do this, and now I've got to just do it. So, um, so it was good. So, ushers, if you can go ahead and pass the offering bags. Uh, Lord, I just pray a blessing over this offering. I pray that you multiply it and let us use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And put the offering and connect cards in there. And uh, we can go ahead and have the worship team come forward as well. Regardless of where you are in your journey, can we commit to just start loving our neighbors? Let's step out. Let's take risks. Let's engage our neighbors. Let's get to know their names. Let's get to know them. We will be amazed with what God, is do, what God will do through us if we'll just take that first step. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we want to be your hands and feet. Lord, sometimes... Time gets in the way, sometimes fear gets in the way, but Lord, we commit this, uh, we, we commit to, to, to start.